0: Hello, folks, and welcome to the Castelli podcast. On this episode, we'll delve into a topic that is important to every one of us cyclists, triathletes, ultra athletes alike how to fuel for race day and the best sports drinks practices. We all use sports drinks, search the internet, or talk to friends about day to day nutrition, advice, fueling strategy for events, and we all have questions about them. And as I look back on conversations I have had with friends, Grand Fondo cyclists, triathletes and other amateur cyclists about fueling strategy for events, I always find myself giving the same advice when asked what sports drinks I use. My answer is, it depends. What nutrition strategy, brand and product works for me might not work for you. Training your gut for higher carb loading is key. The race situation, a long gravel event versus a crit race versus triathlon or preparing for a six, eight hour thunder ride, etc. And because I keep having this conversation many times and keep seeing people discuss this topic online, I thought it would be a great topic of conversation for the Castelli Show where we look into the marginal gains that can make you a better overall cyclist. Okay, Danny, welcome back to the podcast. We are really excited to have you back and thanks for joining us again. My pleasure, Sören. Today, we'll be talking about fueling strategy for events. And we're going to start out really high level. So let's say you got this ultra event coming up, but it could be any personal weekend goal or significant event. It's not just about feeling great on the day. It's also about managing your schedule for the upcoming week, being present with your family on a Sunday night when you come home from the ride or the event and performing at your best at work on Monday morning. These are the aspects which I wish to delve into with you today. So are you prepared to start up with this discussion? Let's get it going. Let's get it going. All right. So you got this 160 kilometer gravel long distant grand Fondo or triathlon event on the weekend, and you're sort of trying to pair for it. When does it really start? Does it start at the night before? Does it start the day before or the morning of the event? How do we all go about this?
1: Well, generally, it starts much earlier than the night before or the, the breakfast before the gun goes off. I normally tell my athletes to practice what they want as race nutrition way before in training, because there's this quote, failing to plan means planning to fail, and that goes mainly for nutritional stuff. So if, if we kind of want to approach from, from a high level, Let's say that every event that goes longer than two hours requires a decent carbo-loading. With carbo-loading, we mean to maximize our glycogen stores. And that is achieved when you consume between 8 and 12 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram body weight. That's a huge amount, and that's definitely not fun to eat. Um, These amounts are normally only kind of pro riders accustomed to, because obviously they do this year in, year out during grand tours. But as, as an amateur rider, you're not used to consume so many carbs. So that means if you want to have less stress, because mm-hmm. obviously in, especially if it's your first event, there are some pre-raised nerves and we all know that being nervous affects your digestion straight away. So that's normally the reason why I tell people, hey, start easy, take three days before your your race day and increase your carbohydrate intake, because then you don't need as much carbs per day. You can kind of dial it down to seven, eight grams, but for two or three consecutive days and you achieve the same maximized glycogen levels for race day. And and during those three days, it's not only the amount of carbs, but also the quality because You realize if you eat a lot of fiber, fruit, vegetables, whole grain stuff, your stool volume is is obviously bigger. That's why we need fiber to have a a healthy digestion. But for race day, we don't wanna spend a lot of time on on those temporary plastic toilets. And that's why reduce the fiber intake during the last 48, 72 hours. That means we eat white rice, we eat plain pasta, We cut down on on sauce or or, or spicy, greasy stuff. Mm -hmm. And this makes sure that everything we eat, most of the energy really goes into our bloodstream, into our muscles, and there's low residue in our gut. So less GI distress, less time on the toilet, and more kind of peace of mind to focus on your race. And the third element that's necessary is obviously hydration. You can't start hydrating properly night before so make sure you you hydrate adequately during the week and a good indicator for that is if your urine has a, a clear color it's not fully transparent or colorless but it has kind of a light yellowish color and and you can go for a wee five six times a day so then you you know that you're drinking plenty this is also the way to go
0: loading up on protein
1: Protein is important during kind of the days leading up to, but you don't have to load protein. You cannot save protein in in, in the same regards we're talking about glycogen. But during the last kind of 12 hours, so let's say if your event is on Sunday, uh, starting Saturday around noon, you cut back on protein so that your appetite is, is kind of fully allocated to carbohydrates and you don't have this immediate protein requirement. Right. You can have some protein also with your pre-race breakfast, very light one, very little one, so to have an even blood sugar curve. But the protein has kind of been done during the the days and weeks leading up to it.
0: So we're talking about uh, someone here who is going to do his or her first long distance event. Maybe there is also already a personal goal but you know let's just say just finish the race but then it's more towards the six to eight hour long event is there a strategy which you also could recommend for people to kind of putting down a nutritional practice maybe try out different products that that are on the markets eating the amounts per hour that are going to work for you on race day depending on the event and other tips that you could share with us here
1: so Typically, for such long events, you never managed to completely refill the energy you spend on the bike, no matter how hard or or how high your your race pace is. So the energy consumption is always higher than you can refuel. And that's why we aim for as high as possible carbohydrate supply, meaning between 90 and, and 120 grams per hour. Because, that's I mean, a lot. That, that's a lot, and it also takes. And that's something we're probably touching on later. It yeah. takes a special carbohydrate blend in your sports product, whether it's a drink, whether it's a gel, to be able to absorb these high amounts. And right. and we can see, and that's not recent research. The first studies came out in in the two thousands. We can see that the athletes that are eating more, that always have better finishing times. No matter whether you're kind of mid of the pack or, or up front, the carbohydrate supply always brings you faster uh, into uh, across the finish line. And and more, even more so than with carbo-loading, so the, the, the stuff you do before the race even starts, race day nutrition needs practicing. And it's probably not, I practice my gut. We always talk about training the gut, and that's not that you kind of prepare your your gut lining or, or the membrane in your gut to to work better, but it's 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 a matter of making habit to eat regularly, to know that I have chosen the right product, that I have no issues in in, in stomaching under load, and and also to to just have the awareness when when everything around me goes crazy that I have to eat regularly. Because some mistakes that we often see, especially with with new athletes, is about an hour or one and a half hour into the race, they realize, I haven't drank enough or I haven't even started eating energy. And that's a gap that you cannot compensate down the line. Right. And and so I always say practice in the last eight to 10 weeks leading up to, to an A race. Try to find the amount of carbohydrates you can digest on the load. And that's in key sessions where you have a similar effort in terms of watts or or, or duration or or if it's a triathlon, also your run pace. And then make sure once you dialed in this amount, also be sure to to know which products you can use to manage to arrive at these amounts. And make sure that you know what products are available from, from the organizer of the race. So in the aid stations or or these gravel buffets that you have. Uh, and, and if nothing is there that you can fully trust, then obviously I need to develop the logistics to carry enough energy with me. And, and mostly we arrive at especially when we talk about sports drinks, that I carry powder with me because you don't want to carry a lot of liquids because there's nothing more heavy than carry water with me around and, and the weight slows you down. That's what we discussed last time, right?
0: You're right about that. And then again, it's probably easier if you're on a longer distance bike ride or road ride or gravel ride where you also can have your, your bike bags on the bike with your with your powders and, yeah. and, and gels and more. But... What, again, if you're in a triathlon or an Ironman? Well,
1: triathlon is not so bad because, I mean, even if we talk about the longest kind of standardized distance, we talk Ironman distance racing. Right. Obviously, during the swim, you don't eat anything. You swallow probably a bit of ocean water or (laughs) not. It's better not to. Otherwise, you you have an upset stomach. (laughs) Right. been there, done that check. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then on the bike, kind of the state-of-the-art approach now is that most of the athletes have one bike bottle that they have some form of concentrate so either a super high concentrated drink so probably let's say 600 milliliters of water and then all the carbs you would eat during those 180 kilometers that makes almost it's it's almost like a big gel if you Mm -hmm. so to speak and this is something you you take small sips from it and you only dilute it with water. And water is, is, is available at every aid station. And then you you can dial it down perfectly because there's plenty of water in most races and you're not relying on, on the product that is available from, from the organizer and you have your tailored mix at, uh, on the bike. So the bike is basically simple. And if we talk modern racing, where all the triathletes are so aero-optimized that they even have a water bottle between their chests. So as an aero fairing, when they are in their their aero position on the bike, they even have kind of additional storage for that. So storage and and nutrition on the bike is, is no issue. And then on the run, that's basically something you need to train because we have mechanical impact so also the gut and and your stomach is 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 getting beaten up during the run and also you're probably four five six hours into your race day so the body is not not completely fresh and then you're you're kind of mentally fatigued so it's harder to stick to your rhythm i take a gel every 20 minutes or so and also you're your stomach gets a bit susceptible in, in, in reacting to all those refined carbohydrate products that you've consumed before. And I normally try to solve it that, that starting the bike ride, I had one or two bars like solid food on an mm-hmm. oat basis because oats contain a, a fiber that is kind of soothing the stomach and the gut. And that really helped me to avoid diarrhea or cramping or bloating. So that was, yeah. that was a huge plus for me.
0: That's a good tip, yeah. No, that was a that was a good one. I wasn't even aware of that. So that's definitely one for the list here. So Okay then. Now we touched it already a few times. Um sports drinks and yep. carbohydrate. So Let's just jump straight into sports drinks because I think it's a topic we can sit here and talk for the next one or two hours about but let's let's try to to just uh, I'm not saying keep it high level I think we should dive into to the specifics when it's necessary but still keeping it up a more like easy understanding uh, level so yes. okay so I'll kind of say Everything we need to know about sports strings, and this is coming from me also with many years of experience just like yourself riding my bike also on elite level. When it comes to choosing sports strings, I think the debate today is even hot and heavier than it was when I was racing on elite level 20 years ago. Options abound from electrolyte charts, powders, and tablets to bottle alternatives ranging from sugar-filled to calorie-free. Even some fat-adapted athletes are even pouring MCT oil into the water bottles and downing the stuff mid-race to prompt their bodies to burn fat as fuel. The stakes are high, choose the wrong drink and you could end up along the road with GI's de-stress or bonking with just a few miles left in your race. So what's the right call? That really depends on the type of workout you're doing, whether your drink is supposed to boost performance or just maintain hydration. And to clear up the confusion and help us develop a bonk proof hydration strategy, I'm going to ask you two of the probably most basic but perhaps the most tricky and misunderstood questions in sports nutrition. So I hope you're ready for this. Hit me. I mean, <laughs> we are going to pick your brain and fueling and hydration in particular. So first, can you tell us what to look for just in general when you're looking at what goes into a good sports drink meant to be used doing exercise? Because I know there are also sports drinks that are designed to be used outside of exercise, but we can talk about that later.
1: There are three things that are interesting when we talk about sports drinks. So basically it's, it's hydration. So water, it's energy, carbohydrates, and I would say carbohydrates only. I'm not a big fan of sports drinks that contain amino acids or other stuff because mm-hmm. it only increases the risks of, of absorption issues or, 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 GI distress. And the third things, the third thing is electrolytes and the supplement industry or the sports food industry has a tendency of brilliant marketing but also a bit of overcomplicating things because it sells very well and for certain topics that's necessary because it is complex but there is a good work around sports drinks that really keep it simple and only then it's it's accessible for for the everyday athlete so basically you can differentiate between shorter or longer efforts whether it's training or racing and if you're riding your bike running whatever it's not not so depending on on the sports you do but Mm -hmm. if you have a, a exercise duration of less than two hours the recommended carbohydrate supply is 30 to 60 grams per hour depending on the intensity you do 30 to 60 grams per hour is an amount where you can use simple sugar so Buy a syrup, the cheapest one in your supermarket in, in wintertime, make tea, herbal tea, put sugar <laughs> in it, put honey in it. That, that's, that's plenty that, that helps you to reach these amounts. If we increase duration andor intensity, as I said before, we aim for a carbohydrate supply of 90 to even 120 grams per hour. And our gut can only absorb about 60 grams of simple sugar, meaning glucose uh, or, or or a combination of, of glucose and sucrose, which is a combination, uh, which is kind of the, the simple household sugar. And if we go beyond that, so beyond the 60 grams, we need to bring in different carb sources. So either starches, we see in sports drink potato starch, rice starch, corn starch along with glucose and then also a certain part of fructose and in the ideal ratio we arrive at 120 grams that are emptied in the right time and at the right amount so so that's how you succeed in, in drinking as much energy and these are the state-of-the-art drinks today mm-hmm. and that's basically all that's that's all the magic when, we, when you talk about modern sports drinks there are certain brands that Talk about the manufacturing process of certain carb ingredients. That they have tinkered with the nature of the starch, so it's kind of a resistant starch, or they they kind of enveloped the carbohydrate into a substance that should make it easier to digest. It's only bells and whistles. Basically, it comes down to the right ratio of glucose, fructose, and some starch and, and uh, being accustomed to it. Right. So, so that's kind of the, the energy thing. And you can differentiate between the shorter trainings and the longer trainings. I am a comfortable person, a lazy person. I don't want to have three different drinks. So I always use the one where I, can, I could absorb 120 grams. Yeah, Yeah. and then lastly we talk about electrolytes, and obviously we sweat when we exercise, and everybody tasted that our sweat is salty. Salt is sodium chloride, so it contains of sodium and chloride two atoms, and the main electrolyte that we use is sodium, and the sodium is the only thing we have to replace during sports, so we don't need magnesium, we don't need potassium. Yes, we do in our everyday life, but not in a sports drink. Right. And, and the sodium in the sports drinks have not necessarily the main task to replace the sodium we lost in the sweat because we have huge sodium stores in our body. It, it mainly functions as a co-pilot to carbohydrate being absorbed in the gut because that's a a sodium dependent absorption. And if we have more sodium in a drink, we can absorb the carbs easier. And besides, it helps us because uh, sodium in a beverage motivates us or increases our our thirst and and makes it more kind of palatable and and we should drink more. So it Mm -hmm. encourages us to drink plenty plenty of, of, of that drink. Right. And then you mentioned ultra events so 8 hours 10 hours plus
0: plus yeah and
1: there it's it's basically a matter of your preparation i encourage athletes that doing such serious stuff to evaluate their sweat rate how do you do that you put yourself on scales before training ideally naked you go out for a ride go for an hour because then you can evaluate the sweat rate per hour the difference that you measure between your pre-ride weight and your post-ride weight is basically the fluid loss, so the sweat loss. Right. Make sure if you drink something on the bike to factor that in. So if you have a difference on your scales of one kilo and you drank half a liter, then you've lost in total 1.5 liters of sweat. So that's your sweat rate. And the sweat yeah. rate obviously depends on on climatic uh, conditions. conditions. It's, yeah. it's called but, but it's it's quite steady. And what's even more steady and kind of genetically uh, predisposed is how much sodium we lose in our sweat. Mm-hmm. And if we have an effort that's long and where we replace more than 70% of our sweat loss, and that's why we need to be aware how much I do sweat per hour, because then you can do the math. So during an Ironman... It, 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 Let's say I have ten hours, I'm losing one liter per hour, I would theoretically lose ten liters, right? Right. Simple math. If I know that I you that I lose eight hundred uh, one liter per hour and I drink eight hundred milliliters per hour, I replace eighty mm-hmm. percent. Right? Yeah. And if, if I replace more than 70%, I have a dilution factor where I potentially need additional sodium. So the sodium in my drink might not be enough. And that's when I need additional sodium. So the salt tablets that are popped, especially by triathletes like, like uh, sugar candy, mm-hmm. normally they are not necessary because there are very little occasions where you replace more than 70%. But events where you go on for three days, four days or a, a stage race where you have these carryover effects there, you obviously need to know how how much sweat do uh, 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 have I lost and wow. how much sodium does my sweat contain. And that's kind of my last point. There are simple ways to analyze your sweat. You have to collect it. It's like uh, patches that you put on your your skin. You sweat, you send them in, and then it's a simple laboratory analysis that tells you, okay, if you're losing about 700 milligrams of of sodium in one liter of sweat, and that that gives you a rough idea how much sodium you you need to replace.
0: So Dan, tell us a little bit more, how easy or difficult is it to get hold of those patches, and also, you yeah. know where to send them into? Because I've seen when I was uh, now on, you know, I'm back from from my trip to the States. Gatorade, they're actually selling one in the US that so you can measure. Maybe you already you're familiar with that. But yes. I know a lot of athletes and I heard when I was there, especially triathletes, using that as an easy indicator without having to make any contact or spending a lot of money working with a laboratory on on this.
1: There are more and more commercial companies that, that offer these analyses, especially for performance sports. There is a company in Germany I have worked with. You mentioned Gatorade that, that tried to commercialize this uh, beyond the United States as well. But there are more and more tests emerging there are several providers i I couldn't name you any specifics for for every market but if you're a serious athlete and you have access to a qualitative uh, sports nutritionist that's that's easy to find out how you get this analysis but there is a tendency of over analyzing things just because we can and i normally do this only with athletes that that Show symptoms of of potential sodium deficiencies, so that sodium could be a problem and and that take part in in regular races that are as long and that have uh, that take place in in extreme climates where you sweat a lot where 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 it's hard to replace sodium
0: I've never done the test myself uh so i don't really know I can only measure and also when when you're out there riding a grand fondo or another bike race. And you see the guy in front of you in summertime, or you just see those big heavy salt marks on, on his yeah. shorts and you're thinking, oh man, this guy, he would definitely need to fill up on sodium sometime soon and, and hydrate himself. But is that actually true? That's just the You see that that person, that athlete is just losing that more amount of salt than, than other people.
1: Yes, I mean having these these salt marks or, or edges on your bibs or on your jersey is is a good indicator. We talk triathletes, it's almost impossible to discern is it salt from my ocean swim because obviously I I've been with my race suit in the water as well. Yeah. Uh, especially if if you're racing in Hawaii, you're actually full of salt and and that's also a factor for chafing. So if if the salt water from the sea dries out, your crotch looks not nice after a race. No. So, so make no. sure to, to rinse it out. But that's a good indicator. And those athletes mostly are aware of, of they need salt and, and they find out that their stomach is upset. And symptoms that show you it, it could be a sodium problem is if you feel like I'm drinking too much, but the, the water doesn't leave my stomach. It's kind of sits there. It sits and there, yeah. I'm thirsty, but it doesn't go anywhere. So that's yeah, a good indicator. Yeah. And then, as I said, if, if you feel, you have the same feeling for, for your carbohydrate supply. If you feel like I'm eating, but it's it's kind of not, the spark is not here. That could show that you're a bit low on sodium.
0: On sodium, yeah. One thing you can also do, especially
1: when you're racing in hotter environments, is that you kind of preload with a heavy sodium drink. So it's kind of a sodium loading you take uh, six grams of, of salt, so not just sodium, six grams of salt. Yeah. And and you, you put that six grams per liter is that, sorry, uh, that, to, to, to make it full. And you drink of, of this solution, 10 milliliters per kilo body weight. So if we have a 70 kilo athlete, he or she would drink 700 milliliters of that saline solution, uh, mm-hmm. an hour, 90 minutes before the race. And it makes sure you can retain more water so you no, you don't have to go to the toilet right away by stomaching such an amount of of liquid, but because it contains more sodium, you kind of preload front load your body with water and and dehydration starts later down down the road down your race down the race,
0: yeah yeah. Danny, before jumping on to my next next question, uh, when you mentioned the you know, key ingredients that we want in a sports drink, you kind of steered away from sodium mm-hmm. bicarbonate. I'm pretty sure there's also a good reason for that. Maybe you can just point that out.
1: Bicarbonate is substance is a buffer. Uh, buffer. Maybe you remember your your basic chemistry in school. Buffer is the antagonist of an acid. An acid, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, especially in in very glycolytic sports, so we have a high lactate build rate. We need buffer to to keep the lactate in check. Our body has enough buffer to make sure that we're not kind of falling over into a coma. And that the the acidity doesn't rise or skyrocket too fast. But if if we wanna excel in sports, we always try to push the boundaries and and go for the marginal gains. So the idea was, if you increase the buffer in my body by taking sodium bicarbonate, I have a later acid buildup. Okay, it works perfectly fine. Is well researched. The difficulty or the the major trap with sodium bicarbonate is it's almost guaranteed that if you're not used to it or if you have a sensitive stomach, it gives you a really hard time. Bloating, cramping, diarrhea or all three in, in a concerted approach. So I would steer away from a drink that contains sodium bicarbonate and the classic sodium bicarbonate supplementation. It's been in the news around this year's Tour de France is done before the race, so either days leading up to it or two to three hours before the gun goes off.
0: Okay. And how long would it last? I doubt they will last throughout the whole race. It will probably just be, maybe if you have it, like you said, two, three hours before, it will probably just have an effect for during the first 60 to 90 minutes or what do you think?
1: No, it's it's actually longer. Okay, we cannot tell. That there's the half life of sodium bicarbonate is not sharp, and it obviously depends on how many kind of bursts of lactic acid do you have. It kind of wears off with that. But yeah. a proper loading is is definitely long enough for for one day. Yeah. And and when we talk about dosage, uh, you normally take 0.3 to 0.5 grams. Of sodium bicarbonate per kilogram of body weight. And that's 62 to two and a half hours, 60 minutes or two and a half hours before the exercise starts.
0: And that means also you buy the real thing. From one of the nutrition brands, you just don't go to the supermarket and buy the cheap by and just try to mix it yourself. Baking powder, basically. You the, can it, take it, baking powder. okay. It, it's the same.
1: There's okay. There's one brand that came up with kind of an encapsulated version. It it was kind of the talk of the uh, talk of the town. Yeah, the well, talk
0: of the Peloton.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it in 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 the market or on the shelf. I couldn't work with it. I can imagine there might be some use to it. But unless I have tested it and I've worked with it
0: with my athletes, I don't use it. And plus I've heard that it doesn't come in cheap. So uh, it's probably better to just go with them baking soda but again as Dan he pointed out here guys go and try it on test it first doing one of your training rides so you don't start experimenting uh, the days leading up to an important race or just an important weekend so
1: and especially I mean we, we, we entered the discussion talking about long events and for an Ironman for a gravel race that goes 160 k's and takes 8, 9, 10 hours lactic acid is not your performance constraint mm. so If we talk about sprinters, if we talk about classics where you ride for eight hours and then you have the final 15 minutes where you max out your effort at 7 point something watts per kilo, then we talk about acidity or or, or lactic buildup.
0: So but, if you say that it's, it's, it stays in your muscles for, for that long, because I thought it would absolutely. not last for six to seven hour race. So I always thought of it as an extra boost, especially for criteriums or gravel races where you have the first hour where it's really like fully on. That's where I always thought it made sense to to take, but I didn't really, yeah, realize that it will remain within your muscles for for the entire day. So that's yeah, also it stays good to quite know.
1: long, and it has to because it's super ugly to to drink. To I mean, drink, it, it, it is, it I, is, it, yeah. I it takes <laughs> a lot of courage and motivation. <laughs> yeah, you would
0: probably have to add some flavors to it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so Dan, with sports drinks? Is there anything that should not be seen in our sports drinks? Or are we talking more about energy drinks here? Because in energy drinks, we have seen types of stimulants such as guaran, caffeine, taurine, ginseng. I mean, I've seen that they're, they're, those are common in the, in energy drinks. But what about sports drinks? And is, are there any of those stimulants that you think that we should definitely stay away from?
1: Those substances are. Not well researched and what we do know is they don't help you in the immediate moment of performing. So okay. that's for me then already a clear no because everything that doesn't necessarily boost my performance but brings a risk of having certain issues in, in my digestion, whether I have an upset stomach, whether I have to burp a lot because of bubbles or, or whatever could emerge of that is, is is a risk that's not necessary to be taken, right? Yeah. And caffeine is obviously something that boosts your performance, but we can take caffeine easier than drinking a, an energy drink during a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, most often we have artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, and all these things bring, as I said, a certain risk of, of an upset stomach. And that's why I would keep it with with a simple and proven solution. Um, the modern sports drinks are mostly quite low in acidity because you don't want to upset your stomach with a lot of acid. They have much less flavors than let's say 10 or 20 years ago mm-hmm. because there is a certain risk of flavor fatigue. Flavor fatigue is when you you, you know that like in a training camp where you drink liters of, of the same drink every day. Yeah. After three days, you're really fed up with it. And once you start being fed up with the drink you will not drink enough. Uh, So we need to address flavor fatigue. We can do that in in having a a flavorless drinking powder or having two different flavors and and mix and match uh, to our preference. And then so much of the the kind of functional ingredients that are marketed in in being good for your brain or or your hormones or whatnot you you read in in, in, in those energy drinks is is not proven at any point. And that's why I would say steer away from it. Yeah. There are certain situations, like uh, I had an athlete that took part in a Trans-Pyrenees race. That's roughly 2,000 kilometers twice across the the Pyrenees range uh, on a road bike. And you had to, so it's it's, it's, uh, self-supporting. So basically the Pyrenees don't have a a gas station with a convenience store every 10Ks. So you need to make sure that you know how to address your energy needs. And if a Coca-Cola or a Red Bull is the only can you can buy in a lonely village, then obviously this is the best solution. But if we have a choice, I would not recommend going for an energy drink.
0: That makes sense. What uh, if you look at the composition of that drink? If it has also too many, as you mentioned that also on the earlier podcast we did on day to day nutrition, you know, if there are too many ingredients written on the back, then you probably should stay away from it. It's probably a red flag, isn't it? Yes. You know?
1: I mean, it has a tendency, yes. And, yes. And also, in a, in a sports drink that we use on the bike uh, during exercise, we don't need any vitamins. We don't need magnesium, potassium, or what kind of fancy ingredients. All we need is water, sugar, and electrolytes.
0: So, can you mix and match different carbohydrate sports drinks or powder brands? I mean, can I put in some moderate carb from one brand and mix it with another scoop of super high carb drink mix of another brand or drop in an electrolyte tablet or something like that? Is that a big
1: no-go for you? Normally you can do that if it goes together well and it's not kind of a a weird taste. There could be, let's say, if if you mix two products and on a scale from one to ten, each product gives you a, a three on a risk scale of gastrointestinal distress. Yeah, and if you combine two threes, you probably end up at a at a five, not necessarily at a six. So make sure you combine the right things, but but it it could work out well. And as I said, if if you do these calculations on what's my sweat rate, what if you know how much sodium you lose, and you realize I need a drink that contains more salt. You can easily add just table salt to a, yeah. a perfectly balanced drink that you, you know, you cope with it. That's that's no issue. And, and that's basically the way we do it for, for certain situations.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so that, that's a really good point, uh, with the, especially with the how many milligrams of sodium you would need per hour. And, but And that, of course, you have to test on a warm, hot summer day and mild temperatures for the full season. So you know how much you're going to need. But it's, I think especially during summertime, it'll be important to test that. But then also kind of to wrap up this whole, you know, how many grams of carbon you need. We know that the calories you would need per hour is a personal thing, an individual thing. So we got the 30 to 60 grams of carb per hour. And I think here we're talking about the workout between 90 minutes and two hours. That is the 30 to 60 grams of carb. Yes. Okay. And then Um, everything above two, two and a half hours, we're getting into that 90 to 120 plus grams of carb Uh, per hour.
1: I would say if you go for three hours and, and you have some quality in there, try to hit 80 grams per hour, which is all, I mean, all my athletes say, well, 80 per hour, I need like an additional powder bag or <laughs> I need to bring a bar and it's kind of tantalizing. Yes, it is. But if you have to earn a lot, you have to burn a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so for three three to four hours, 80 gram is plenty. And, and if you go longer, then easily go beyond 100 grams it, yep. yes it is you have to plan you have to bring stuff along or buy on, on the road but it's definitely worth it because you realize your energy is so much more steady uh, towards the end of the ride you have no issues with bonking you recover much better your overall feeling is better you don't get home and you're in complete zombie state like dizzy and and, right. and, and, and and angry or hangry, uh, you can ask my girlfriend. It happens, <laughs> even to me. So. <laughs> and and yeah. it, it, it's really it's it's paying off. And then yeah. if if like if you take a very intense workout, like your uh, high intensity intervals or stuff like that, that last for only like the entire ride for let's say ninety minutes or two hours, you're you're out there at a pace or on your stash, stationary bike that is so high that you could never stomach 90 or 120 grams. So yeah. then you're, you're actually down to 60 anyway, or 60, 60 70. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, but also then the carbohydrate intake that you need per hour, what would the percentage be on a normal long distance event between the liquid and the solid food intake?
1: That's a very personal ratio. I personally say the, the higher the intensity, the, the more liquid your calories have to come in mm-hmm. because you get tired of chewing. If you don't chew well, you don't digest well and then it takes longer until the energy is in your system. And, and so for race day, I would normally say the lion's share always is drinks and gel. And I can tell you, after a good career in endurance sports, you're not a big gel fan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they, they have a tendency to kind of grow on you, yeah, on you. But but anyway, it's it's the easiest way to have a high density carbohydrate supply. And and as I said, logistics are a major factor. So if you're self-supported, whether it's in a training or in a race. Carrying around water or driving around water is is never a fast process. So make sure you get a right blend. How much solid food you have, or how much water you carry, and be aware that we have two requirements: we have a, a fluid requirement, mm-hmm. and we have an energy requirement. And they they they're not always in line. So it depends on the climate, and and that's. Probably too individual to explain here. A, a one-for-all approach, right? But but as a simple and, and kind of broad range that works for most athletes is, in a normal temperature, drink six to eight hundred milliliters per hour. So that's a that's a good uh, fluid supply, uh, and and the dosage of carbohydrates we've already addressed. So yeah, if you have the two things, and then as I said. Having at certain times solid food can kind of soothe down the entire system, makes sense. But I have athletes they they cope with everything and take just the, the, the easiest approach.
0: Yeah, you're right. And then we also have the gravel or mountain bike marathon scenario where a lot of cyclists use a hydro bladder, which can come in handy, especially during the first hour of the race, when the race pace is high or when hitting the trails where you don't necessarily have the time to get energy bars out of your pockets or take your hands off the bars for drinks. You know, then having a high calorie drink mix in the bladder is the easiest way. And then when the pace levels off, you can start eating bars, rice cakes and other things then you also have a marginal gain error advantage with a hydration bladder and a good news for all you gravel racers out there, including you, Danny. Next year, Castelli is introducing a pro-level aero jersey designed with a hydro 1.5-liter bladder pocket for when every second counts, as the bladder has shown to be slightly more aerodynamic versus not wearing one. That's great news. And that's also one of the reasons why UCI has banned the use of hydro bladders in road racing.
1: But for mountain bike races and marathons, it's it's a given. And I'm working with two athletes in preparing for next year's Cape Epic, and because you never know whether the supply, like the, the personal team supply, works on out in the bushes, yeah, we probably use hydro packs as well,
0: right? I think at that point, late in the race, after maybe the first ninety minutes or more, you know, then the race also typically switches to a moderate pace, and then you can probably also switch to moderate carbohydrate intake with maybe bit higher electrolytes later in the day or what do you think about that strategy because we also need to be careful that they're balanced correct i mean you're also then getting real food into your belly so that everything keeps on absorbing
1: yes that's something you need to find out like for for your preference and also how how you can cope with kind of a consistent load Mm -hmm. or whether you need to periodize the intake I try to keep the, the fueling strategy as simple as possible because if the whole race frenzy starts, you're kind of lost and you, you, you lose track of oh is the next hour hour now 80 grams or 120 grams? If you can rely on on kind of food supply from a from a team car as we have this in Pro Tour, then it's easy because then your director sportif gives you just the right bottle and then the strategy right. is pretty much dialed and monitored. But but the athlete, the gravel athlete, they are relying on on, on their minds and and, and memories. So I try to keep it simple and stupid.
0: (laughs) For those who are there, the best advice. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. Tune in again next week where we will discuss how to fuel your body for long and cold winter training rides and indoor riding. So if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, give us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help us be seen by other cyclists in the algorithm. And if you want to suggest a future podcast topic, just shoot us a line at podcast at cyclingcom or hit us up on socials. I'll also drop Danny's contact details and other important links from this episode in the show notes. Till then, take care everyone, ride safe and see you soon.